We are looking in the book of Lamentations. This is a uh, this is a tough one. This one's interesting because the book of Lamentations is not the super fun, exciting. Um, you know, preacher goes into this with a bunch of passion and and. Um, joy. Uh, Lamentations is lamenting or uh, being sorrowful over something's happening. We believe the, the it's almost unanimous that uh, the, the belief is that Jeremiah is the one that wrote this book, um, mainly for several reasons uh, that not just because it's the next one in our Bible. Actually, technically, in the Hebrew Bible, this doesn't come right after the book of Jeremiah, uh, which is uh, we'll get to in just a minute. But the book of Lamentations gives us an overview. We're, you know, we're doing this survey. We're looking at each of these books. This one only has five chapters, and so it's a little bit easier. Next week, we're going to look at one that doesn't have just five chapters. It's got like a lot. So, uh, but we're going to focus in on Lamentations today. And uh, in Lamentations, there are, uh, this is a book that has multiple poems in it. Uh, this is the story, though, of uh, what I, I read a commentator one time that said, this is the story of a prodigal city, a city that ran away from God, and God's curse then came upon it. And God doesn't forget sin. Um, he has to, there has to be a payment made for sin. Now, we have the, the beautiful privilege of Jesus making that payment for us. Uh, but the city of Jerusalem in this time, uh, they had no, they had, they had given up on their uh, sacrificial uh, ordinances and, and rituals to God, and they had given up on the worship of God. And so uh, Jeremiah's words, as we talked about last week, last week, the weeping prophet, Jeremiah was a one who he gave all these warnings. He's like, the Babylonians are coming. We're going to get captured. This is going to be awful. We're, the, Jerusalem will fall. Everybody just didn't listen to him. They, they, they abused him. They, they frustrated him. And we see here in the book of Lamentations when this takes place. And now the book of Lamentations, this is, um, I, I want to give a little bit of extra background and kind of some cool thoughts about Lamentations before we jump into the study of it so that we see it uh, in light of something we may not see if we just read in the book. Rather, to do a full survey as you're looking through the scriptures, uh, there's something really, really neat about this that if you're not too careful, you can really geek out on and you can really get like real nerdy when it comes to these uh, facts and things. Um, but the, the, he, in the Hebrew Bible, when this was first created, it wasn't lamentations. Rather, it was the word um, alas, or what we would think of the word of, of how, or that, um, uh, but it's like an, it's not a, a a, a connector word. It's a word of woe. It's a word of, oh no, this is a sad song coming. That's what that word is. And so whenever it was translated, it was translated uh, into the, the, the later title of laments or uh, dirges. Uh, dirges. A dirge is a sorrowful song that brings together um, a, a very deep sense of grief. Is what a, a dirge is, and so this is a, a song. Uh, these are these are five specific poems. Each each chapter is its own poem, and uh, four of them have a very acrostic style to it in the Hebrew language. We don't see it in our English Bible because it's um, uh, it was written in uh, Hebrew, and the Hebraic alphabet has twenty two letters in it, and each. Each of these, if you look at chapter one, chapter two, chapter four, chapter five, they all have 22 verses. Interesting. It's an acrostic. So uh, what happens is chapters one, two, and four 
have 22 uh, verses within it. Each of those verses in the Hebrew is an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, part of that, the reason that I believe Jeremiah did that was so that it could be easily memorized, right? If you think about it, how you memorize things, that's a technique of memorization. So chapters 1, 2, and 4 have 22 verses. Each of those acrostically start with a Hebrew letter of the alphabet. And then chapter 3 has 66 verses. Each of it still the same acrostic style. It's just every letter is three times. So it's repeated three times. So it's still an acrostic. It's just much longer. Chapter 3 is the, the middle of this book. And there's something about the center. There's something about the center in Scripture. Whenever you start to see patterns, uh, you, will, you will begin to find that the center is the heart of the message. Uh, and so in the Hebrew Bible, chapter 3, verse number 1, is the center of Lamentations. And listen to chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read it to you. Um, it says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. That's, that's really the heart of the, the, the book of Lamentations. It's the, the center poem, and the very center thought of that center poem is found there in verse 1. And it's, it's the man of, of affliction, the man who's been hurt. Now, if you, if you really take a big survey step back, we can say, if we look at this whole scripture, what does it ultimately point to? All the Bible, it points to a man who was under affliction, under the rod of the wrath of God. Um, now, that's a beautiful picture for us and Jesus because he took on the wrath of God because we couldn't. So, Lamentations is pretty cool. Uh, there's, um, in chapter 5, it does have the 22 verses, but it does not follow in the same acrostic pattern. Uh, it's a little bit different because chapter 5 is a prayer. It is this deep, emotional, very uh, intense prayer time. Uh, that Jeremiah spins. And so even though the, the formula for the 22 verses is there, the acrostical piece isn't there because sometimes it just doesn't fit, right? Sometimes you just can't make each word begin with the right letter. If you just, sometimes you just got to pray it out just to your heart. So uh, it's, a, it's a passionate way to end the book of Lamentations. Now, another uh, interesting note is that um, the Psalm uh, verse, chapters 1, 2, and, and 3 all end with a prayer. And then chapter 5 is a full prayer, the whole thing. Uh, so it's kind of neat to know that. Um, now, something about uh, this book. This book ultimately is the whole fall of Jerusalem, right? This is, it's the city of Jerusalem falling. And, and all of the sufferings that surround it uh, of that, that event of the fall. Now, here's something that, again, we're going to kind of geek out on just a minute because I think this is really cool. So... The Bible is, uh, the Old Testament very specifically, is a Hebrew document, right? It's, it's for the, it was written, um, God is the God of the Hebrews. He was the one who wrote it, put it together. And the Hebrews would use this document in different, different ways. They would use it at different festivals. They would use it at different times. Uh, they, would, they had specific routines that they, would, that they would use. You know, we talked about uh, maybe, I, I can't remember if I preached it or podcasted it or something, but um, there's, there's temple psalms, psalms that they would read in the temple every day. So the, depending on the day of the week is the day they would read those certain psalms. And so uh, they, had, they, they had a lot of prescribed reading for specific days or events. Lamentations is one of five books that, was, uh, that were presented at feasts or festivals of, of the, the Hebrew people. And so this book is found in 
what's called um, the megaloth. The megaloth was uh, basically, that just means the scrolls. And so there were five scrolls of these five books that were read at these specific festivals throughout the year. Um, and it is, uh, so Lamentations is found within that, in the Hebrew Bible. If you were just to go up and, and grab a Hebrew Bible, you would see the, the order of the Old Testament books are a little bit different than the order that they are in our English Bible. Um, now, it doesn't mean that one's right or wrong or whatever. It's just that's the way the customs and the traditions had it. And so Lamentations was found in the third section of the Hebrew Bible. And in that was called this Megaloth. This Megaloth was a, um, uh, is a collection of five books that all had to do with something specific. It was part of the writing books of the Old Testament. Now, they were smaller books, so they could, they could be read in a setting. Okay, So here's, here's what they, uh, they were. So I, I wrote down a couple of things that would happen in the Hebrew historic uh, festivals and feasts and that kind of stuff. There are these five books that they would read at their annual festivals, right? So they, they had, whenever they gathered together for Passover, for instance, they read one of the books in the Bible. And as I looked at this, I knew a few of these, but some of these stood out to me as I was kind of doing a little bit of research this past couple of weeks. Um, is So at the Feast of Passover, now Passover, you know, commemorates the exodus out of Egypt, right? The whole Passover, death angel, blood of the lamb, right? That was the Passover. Uh, they would do the Passover. Every, whenever they would do it, they would read the whole book of, guess which one? The Song of Solomon. How, how weird is that? I, I don't know why that's happening, but that's, it's a little bit weird. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the Jewish people, would. this is what they would read at their feast of the Passover. They would read the Song of Solomon. Uh, in fact, they would read that on the seventh day of the Passover. So on the Sabbath day is whenever they would read the Song of Solomon, uh, um, the Song of Songs, rather. And that's what they would read to the, the, to the whole festival partly uh, because they wanted to keep the Song of Songs out of a secular hands and keep it in sacred text. And it was all about the beloved chasing after um, the, their, their people, his, the one, his bride, the one he loved. And so um, we see that. In, uh, so that was what they did at the Feast of Passover. And then they had a Feast of Pentecost. Now, if you remember, the Passover happened, and then Pentecost happened 50 days later. The word Pentecost means the 50th day. And on, so the 50th day after Passover, in which Passover, uh, there was a couple of like uh, harvest type, type connections with that too, but uh, the 50th day. Now this is to commemorate when the law was given. If you remember when the, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they, they, they left, crossed the Red Sea, they traveled for 50 days and came to a mountain, Mount Sinai, and they came there and the law was given to them on the 50th day. Now... <clears throat> I, this, is a, this is an extra piece. This one's free. I'm not going to charge you anything extra for it today. If you think about this, um, so Passover is when the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Fifty days later, that Pentecost, the 50th day, the law was given. Now, if you, if you fast forward to the New Testament, Passover, Jesus died, the Lamb was, was slain. Fifty days later, Acts chapter 2, the Spirit was given. And if you remember, when the, when the law was given, I'm getting chills because this is, just gets me every time. When the law was given, if you remember, Moses came down off the mountain and they were worshiping an idol, right? And they killed 3,000 men. 3,000 died that day. If you go into Acts chapter 2 and you see after the Spirit was given, 3,000 were added to the number. And that, God's rewriting stories. 
he says, this is what, when the law came, there was a curse, and then whenever the Spirit came, there was life. There was a correction of that curse. That's really fun. Anyway, that one's free. So at the Feast of Pentecost, they would read the entire book of Ruth. That's what they would read at Pentecost. That was the, the book in the Scripture that they would read. And so this is, you know, to celebrate again the law given. So you had the Passover to celebrate the exodus of God's people and how he provided uh, freedom. And then you get the, the uh, Pentecost, they celebrated the law that was given. And then the next um, festival was actually the fast of the ninth of Av- Aviv or um, Ab. <clears throat> and this is, a, um, this is a specific fasting day. Uh, at the ninth of Ab, which is a, a time of the year, and this was to kind of to um, uh, commemorate or uh, process through a lot of destruction that sin had caused the people of Israel. And they would read, you guessed it, the book of Lamentations. That's what they would read at this specific festival. Um, this was to mourn the destruction. Specifically, it started with the mourning of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, that was Solomon's temple. So the people of God would, would mourn that, and so they would, they would read the book of Lamentations. The next uh, festival was the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths, as we may see it sometimes in Scripture. Um, this was to con- commemorate the 40-year wilderness journey, right? So the Feast of Tabernacles, and they would read in that setting the book of, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. And um, then the last festival was the Feast of Purim, which was to uh, celebrate the preservation of the people of God, the people of Israel. Uh, and they would read the book of Esther, basically commemorating when Esther, remember when Esther came, the, the people of God were saved because of her actions and all that. So, so you had these five different festivals throughout the year. But here's what I think is interesting. They were all feasts except for one, and that was the fast. And the fast was when they read Lamentations. So, I want you to imagine being super hungry, and then we're going to read this miserable book. (laughs) That's the way, I mean, it was like this brokenness for the people of Israel. They were overwhelmingly broken uh, for their sins and the sins that had been committed and the destruction of the temple, um, the time they were captured through uh, different captivity moments, even into uh, 70 AD after Jesus had already ascended. There was a, uh, another destruction that had happened. So this, these, that uh, fast on the ninth, and it, they still do it. They, they still celebrate this. Um, and so they, they sit down and they, they do a fast. They read the book of Lamentations, which <clears throat> if you look at this, Again, as I was saying about uh, if you look at the heart or the center of things, you begin to find kind of the heart behind it. Uh, The center of these five books is the book of Lamentations. And we've got feast, feast, fast, feast, feast. It's almost like in God's dealing with man, he is broken over the sin that separated us. And at the heart of even, of even the, the way we remember things, at the heart of the way we, we have to remember the sin that has to be atoned for. We have to remember how broken we were and how sin has taken us away from the Lord. So the center of all this, what's the center of God's dealing with man? Lamentations. It's almost like God is lamenting over us, um, the, the sorrow and rebellion that we face. Um, 
This is a, uh, uh, imagine Lamentations as we jump in here as a eulogy read at a funeral. That's, that's kind of the way I, I've, I've tried to title today the eulogy um, and uh, not really the most fun uh, titles. Um, but we're going to look at it kind of chapter by chapter. It's not the loss of a person. This is the loss of a nation in here. And so we're going to kind of lament and give the eulogy for the, the people of Jerusalem uh, as we look at the way this city falls. So uh, we're going to look just uh, each chapter by chapter. Uh, shouldn't be too crazy this morning. We'll see what ends up turning out. But um, these are our poems. Like I said, there are five poems. Uh, chapter one, each chapter is a poem. Uh, and if you remember anything about, about elementary school, middle school, high school, I'm not sure. Whenever you start stud- studying poetry, um, there's a lot of elements to poetry that that we, that we could look at. It's going to be hard for us because we don't all read and understand Hebrew fluently. And so it's going to be kind of hard to see the, the word plays and the things. But what we can do is we can understand uh, where, where the, the writer is coming from and what the writer is saying. So in chapter one, what we notice a few things. Um, I titled this one, This May Be Hard to Stomach, uh, because in verse 20, it says, Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. <laughs> Uh, my heart is wrung within me. This, uh, so chapter one, I, I've decided this, this one may be hard to stomach. Um, and uh, what we see in the first few verses, I'm going to try to give some summary here without, without really reading a whole lot of, of these words because I, can, I could literally just read this whole book and then we could close it and walk on um, today. But <clears throat> I want to kind of give a little bit of a summary if I can. Uh, what we see in the first five verses is that the city is in ruins. That's what we see. Uh, the city is in ruins. People are all scattered away. That's what we find in the very first initial thing. And, and so I want you to picture and, rem- and remember Jeremiah loving this city. He loves this city. And at the very first part of this poem, he talks about the city that he loves in ruins and the people he loves scattered away and the city is now lying just with with nothing there you can almost imagine through this book i want you to picture uh jeremiah this is what i did um even as i was looking back over my notes last night i thought i want to picture jeremiah walking through this city when it was when it was broken i mean whenever there were there were people lying in the street with nothing walking past the little girl that is malnourished and she's sickly and she's dirty and she's and she's got no hope and she's fatherless and she's uh, hopeless sitting there and then seeing the the once beautiful temple just piles of rocks and seeing just dustiness and just gross like that's that's where i started picturing when i started reading this more and more like jeremiah is broken over this he is brokenhearted he is frustrated he's sad so the first thing he notices first thing he mentions is how this once beautiful city is now in ruins and the people are all scattered then he talks about uh, in verses 6 through 10 uh, that section in that uh, first poem he talks about how the covenant has been forsaken. This Jerusalem has has grieved has has grieved the heart of God by sinning, and because of that, the covenant between God and Jerusalem has been is is in disarray right now. It's it's broken. There is, I mean, God had talked about this city being this powerful, incredible city, and now because the covenant be- between Jerusalem 
has, is now gone. They've, they've given up on God and, and they've turned their back. And now because of that, the city is filthy. It, it continues, it talks in there, her, unclean, her, her uncleanness uh, was in her skirts. She took no thought of her future. Therefore, her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. The Lord, this is verse number nine, Lord, behold my affliction. The enemy has triumphed. He's saying this is a, she has become, this city has become filthy. I, and again, I'm, I'm imagining Jeremiah walking through these city, these city streets and seeing just the, the trash, just garbage, grossness. And he's looking around thinking, I know why this happened. This is something that, that, I, I, that God showed me. I told the people and they didn't listen to me. And now here we are and it's a filthy city. In, in verses 11 through 15, the next little section, uh, it continues to talk about the crushing blow from God as a curse to the city. God's the one that did this. God's the one that said this has to be punished. It was his hand that willed it to happen. So it's a, another broken piece, really, really hard. The, la the last part of chapter 1 uh, gives us two desperate cries. Both of those cries, one from Jeremiah personally, and then one from Jerusalem nationally, from the city itself. And as you read, as you finish up chapter 1, you, you hear this, this starts out with this uh, scattered, desolate awful. It's like he's setting the scene so that you, you know, if you see a movie open up, a movie doesn't typically open up with dialogue, right? It typically opens up showing you where the place is. That's what Jeremiah is doing. He says, this is a desolate, ruined city. People are scattered. They're not even here. And then he starts to give you, he starts to, to walk in and give you a little bit more of a picture, right? He's like, there, this city is not even, it's not just that it's desolate. It's that it is, it is uh, filthy. It's gross. It's nasty. And then he goes on, he says, and the reason is because God made it this way because we failed against him. And then he, he gives this cry out in his heart in the last part of this first chapter. Uh, verse, and it even says in verse, uh, let's see, 16, I think. <clears throat> yeah, it says, for these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, to uh, one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. This is Jeremiah just absolutely broken over this. Then he goes on in verses 17 through 22, through the end of the, ver end of the chapter. Zion stretches out her hand, but there is no one to comfort her. <laughs> this city of Jerusalem is now crying out to God, but it's too late. It's already gone. It's already passed. Then we, uh, we roll into chapter number two, the next poem in the book of Lamentations. Uh, this one I titled, This One May Be Hard to Stomach Too, <laughs> because in verse number 11 of chapter 2, the Bible says, let's read this one, My eyes are spent with weeping and my stomach churns. <laughs> Again, um, my bile is poured out of the ground. I like, this, Jeremiah is broken. I mean broken. He's lost the, the love of his life in this city of Jerusalem. The first uh, section of the second poem in Lamentations uh, gives us the picture of God's wrath being expressed. In, the first, in fact, it's the first seven verses. Uh, we see that the Lord has, has done this. He has expressed His wrath in this way. Here's what He has done. He has poured out because He hates sin. He's poured this out. This is hard for Him. This is miserable. Then He gives some details. Uh, listen to verse number 8. 
uh, it says, um, verses 8 and 9, uh, in, well, verse number 9, we'll jump to verse, uh, verse 8, says, The Lord determined to lay in ruins the walls of the daughter of Zion. The walls, the physical walls are broken down. Even ver- ch- verse number 9, her gates have sunk into the ground. He has ruined and broken her bars. Her king and princes are among the nations. The law is no more. Uh, he, he talks about the, the first thing we see is the walls. Again, I, I can picture Jeremiah walking around, and he's like, the once great walls that stood when the Assyrian army came up and King Hezekiah and Isaiah prayed and the Lord struck down this army right outside these walls are now piles of rubble. They are now broken. I, I remember those, those stories from old and now here we are broken down. So he talks about how the physical walls are down. Then listen to verses, verse, the end of verse 9 into verse 12. It says, the law is no more. Her prophets find no vision from the Lord. And it goes on. The elders of Zion sit on the ground in silence. They've thrown dust on their heads and put on sackcloth. The young women have bowed their heads to the ground. Here's what he's saying. There was, the walls are broken down and there's no vision left. No vision left. Even the elders, those, the leaders of Jerusalem, are just sitting on the streets, silent. Can you imagine coming to church and the, the pastor standing up in the pulpit and looking over, looking through the book, trying to see something, trying to hear something, and saying no word? No word. No word. I, I can't imagine going to a church service where a preacher didn't have something to say. I can't imagine walking through the city of Jerusalem that was the spiritual pillar of the nation. And there's no, nobody speaking anything of God's word. Nobody. The elders have lost vision. The, the prophets have lost their vision. And then verses 13 through 16, he shifts again from the walls and the, the physical ruins to there's no vision now. And now he talks in verses 13 through 16 how there is no more testimony in Israel. There's no more power. There's no more influence. The world can no longer look to Jerusalem and see the Lord anymore. Like how sad. Like it makes me choke up thinking about that. Like can you imagine if people drove up to this spot and they couldn't find the Lord anywhere around here? I guess what Jeremiah is saying is he's looking at this city in these, uh, what can I say for you? What can I compare to you? Uh, what can I liken to you that I may comfort? For your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets have seen false and deceptive visions. They've not accepted. It says, all who pass along the way, in verse 15, clap their hands at you. They, wa- they hiss and wag their heads as, uh, at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called to perfection of beauty? the joy of all the earth. You know what he's saying? The world's mocking him now. The world's mocking Jerusalem. There's, there's no sign of their witness anymore. It's, it's over. Um, and then what we see in the last couple of verses, uh, beginning at verse 17, we see that um, God's word did not fail. Here, here's what I love about this particular chapter in Lamentations. Now, again, it's very, very difficult to read. It's very difficult to to process. It's difficult to stomach. Uh, It's hard to think about Jerusalem losing her physical, her physical strength, Jerusalem losing her spiritual strength, and and Jerusalem losing her influence uh, in the world. But it's also uh, 
exactly what God did. Listen to verse 17. It says, The Lord has done what He purposed. He has carried out His word, which He commanded long ago. He's thrown down without pity. He's made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. Here's what Jeremiah is saying. God said He was going to do this. And God did it. There's no question. His word is true. I tried to put some... um, uh, some preacher uh, uh, words on these verses. So verse 17, I say that God's word is true because it's, it's done that. Um, in verses 18 and 19, we see that uh, God's word is terrible to this city. Um, they, it says, arise, verse, uh, verse number 19, arise, cry out in the night. The beginning of the night was uh, of watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him. This is a hard hard, terrible thing that has happened. Um, Let tears stream down like a torrent. That's in verse 18. It is hard, hard, hard. And then, so if his word is true and his word is terrible to this city, then in verses 20 through 22, his word uh, is total. Listen to what verse 22 says. You summoned as if to a festival day, my terrors on every side. And on the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those whom I held and raised, my enemy destroyed. Jeremiah is saying, God's, God's word is not going to fail. Not only is it not going to fail, it's going to be truth. It's going to be, it was going to be terrible. We told you that. It was going to be awful. It was way more terrible than you imagined. You know, you hear words and you're like, well, it can't be that bad, right? Then you go and see it and it's like, this is worse than I ever thought it could be. And then you realize that it was a total, he, he, he doesn't miss he didn't miss any. It was everyone is affected on the day. Look, no one escaped or survived his wrath in that city in that time. Now, there's a um, so hopefully by now we're two two poems in and it's uh, it's been hard. It's been hard, uh, hard to stomach both times, both both uh, poems. Very difficult. And as Jeremiah is, is weeping over this, he then turns to chapter 3, the third poem in this. Now, the third poem uh, is a, uh, like I said, it's got 66 verses in it, still acrostic style. So if you read it in the Hebrew, you can see each of the alphabet repeated three times. And so as you read them, uh, there's, there's a couple of, there's, there's a heart to this chapter that is really, really beautiful, really beautiful. Um, I, I read one commentator, though, who said it was a pathetic sermon. It was pathetic because there's all this negativity all around it. And there's like a couple of words of hope in it. And it's like, that is a pathetic sermon. Like, how, how would you like if you came in? I told you all the bad things. And I was like, but guys, God's still good and you can find him. Let's pray. And then it's like, wait, where, where's the goodness? Like, what, tell me some goodness, right? This is a, a chapter three does a lot of things. Listen to the first part of chapter three, how sad he was. I talk, the first 21 verses, I think, as I read through this again and again, I think are all about how messed up that uh, Jeremiah was. Um, he says in verse one, I'm the man who's seen affliction under the rod of his wrath, right? He's driven, he's driven and brought me into darkness without any light. As he, listen to what he says though, uh, in verse number four, verse four, he, I believe he talks about physically how he's broken. It says, he has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. I think this is a physical, have you ever been under a lot of stress and then seen that it's affected your physical appearance? Like, I, I tell you this, my, my wife tells me all the time, she's so loving and so kind and so gracious, but she tells me I look older every day. 
She's like, your, your wrinkles are getting deeper. Your, uh, you, you know, your, your, your face is getting t- more tired looking. The bags under your eyes are getting much more visible. And I'm like, thank you, sweetheart. And I said, well, somebody's got to carry the stress and the weight of aging. I'll carry it all for us, right? She looks younger every day. I look older. But as I, as I think about it, I, I've looked back through and you can, you can literally see in pictures. I went through my phone after she told me this a couple days ago. She said something about my, my wrinkles were all terrible. So I looked through my phone and I looked through these different seasons in my life. You know, some seasons I looked older. And, and it wasn't even like, I mean, I looked older during, and it was during stressful seasons, right? My skin was like just, just tired, blood flow. And so I started looking up and figuring out it's like a blood flow issue. The, if you're stressed out, the blood flow is going to parts of your body that doesn't need it. And so instead of the blood flow going into your face and keeping your face bright and cheery, it goes to other parts of your body that don't need it. And because of that, because your, your wiring is all off because stress is happening. And I, I began to think this, Jeremiah, how, oh, I wonder if when we get to heaven, I hope we don't look like, like the last part of us. You know, I'd like to look like me when I was like 24, probably. It's a good age for me. Um, but I wonder, like walking up to Jeremiah, Jeremiah had to look miserable. I mean, he says his, his, his flesh and skin were wasting away. He has broken bones. He was talking about physically what was going on uh, in his, on his body. Then he, he goes on and he talks about what happens to him mentally in chapter, in verses five through 12. He says, he's besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He's made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He's like, mentally, I'm alone. I'm alienated. I've been sought after maliciously as he goes on. So, so far, the introduction to this poetic sermon isn't very fun. He gets up and says, listen, the reason I look so old and miserable is because God has put stress on me. The reason I am am, am mentally out of my mind is because I'm alienated. I've been sought after. I've been beat up. I've been uh, maliciously come after. Then he says socially. So he goes physically, mentally, then socially. Uh, verses 14 through 17 says, I've become the laughing stock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He's saying, when I go out in, the, in public, I'm taunted. I'm made fun of. My social life is, is struggling. He says, first, my physical being is struggling. Mentally, I am out of my mind. It is so hard because I feel like I'm just constantly, I'm bitter now. I can't think straight. And then he says, I go out socially and socially I'm messed up. I've got no good things happening socially. And then verse number 18, I put on verse number 18 that he was emotionally broken. Verse 18 says, so I've said my endurance has perished so has my hope from the Lord. That's an emotional brokenness. I've given up hope. I can't go on. I, I'm, this is so hard for me. I can't just keep on and keep on and keep on. He's emotionally broken. He's physically broken, mentally broken, socially messed up, emotionally broken. And then verses 19 through 21, I wrote, he's spiritually broken. It says, remember my affliction and my warnings, uh, my wanderings from the wormwood of the gall. He says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I can call to mind, therefore I have hope. Here's where, here's where this spiritual element kind of takes over. I realize something. You can be broken physically. You can be messed up mentally. You can be frustrated socially. You can be emotionally drained. And you can still have spiritual hope. How in the world is that possible? Well, he tells us. 
Here's how you can be spiritually healthy. Verses 22, 23, and 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies come, never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You know, Jeremiah says, listen, I'm broken. I'm hurting. Everything's bad. Nothing's good. But I have faith that God is still good and that you can't exhaust him. This is one of my favorite places in all scripture. Um, this, this is the one that uh, when I was going through very deep lamenting, when I had, um, uh, uh, when we were in hospitals and I was sitting in a hospital waiting room for days on end, praying that, uh, that my prayer would get answered and it didn't get answered the way I wanted it to get answered. And I was lamenting very, very difficult. I mean, it was, it was, I, Physically, I, you know, I said I was going through my phone. I was looking at the times of my life. About two years ago, my, my face was, was all kinds of messed up looking. I mean, I was exhausted. I, the bags under my eyes were very deep. I was physically broken. I was emotionally broken. And I, and I couldn't find, it was, it was the first time in my life that I, I, even when I went home to like find, find consoling in my, in my wife or my kids or the joy of my family that I had. And I, it just couldn't find it. Like it was, I was hurting. I was broken. This is the verse. These are the verses right here that that led me to creating um, uh, to, to lean into what God's doing in my life, rather than to run away from what He's doing around me. Um, and it was it was this passage. And so you know, I, I read this this commentator who's like, "This is the sorriest sermon ever. <laughs> this, is, this is rough." And I think this sermon changed my life. Like it set me on a new course and a new direction because I realized I cannot come to the end of God's mercies. I can't. Nobody can. Now, Jeremiah is walking through a city that's, that's desolate, that's distracted, that's gone, I mean, destroyed. And yet he says, God's mercies never come to an end. I can still celebrate because I have hope in him because he is my portion. Not just this city, not just this place. He is my portion. Um, so as, as this, as this uh, poem kind of turns into, in my opinion, this is, now this is just opinion. This is, I didn't read this anywhere. This is, I'm guessing. Uh, but as I was reading this, just my interpretation of it right now, um, Jeremiah has a little bit of that preacher still in him. And so he's still kind of, uh, as, he's, as he's lamenting over the city, he goes in and the, there's a couple of verses down uh, where he gives a call to action. Those call to action are found in verse number 40. Um, but he says, uh, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Now, th- this is all re- this seems like he's late to the game here, right? Jerusalem's already fallen. There is already uh, brokenness. There's already, already uh, I mean, scattered. This is, there, there's hopelessness around. And yet he says, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift our, our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled and you have not forgiven. This is God. Say, this is him saying to God, it is, we, we know that God doesn't forget sin. He doesn't. He has to pay for sin. Sin has to be paid for. He's like, so God's not, he, he didn't forgive us of these sins because we, we, we never made a sacrifice to him. We never turned our hearts back to him at all. Like this was, we didn't do anything to try to gain his favor back anymore. And yet he gives these call to action. He says, listen, let's examine our ways. Let's lift up our hearts because the truth is we have sinned. We have fallen short of this and God won't forget that. We've got to 
prepare our hearts. We've got to walk back to him. It doesn't take him too long, however, in his sermon uh, to turn back to his sorrows. Uh, We find that in verses 58 through the end of that chapter um, where he just says, You heard my plea, don't close your ear to my cry for help. Uh, He says, You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You've redeemed my life. You have seen the wrong done to me, O Lord. Judge my case. He says, Listen, God, you you see me, you know me. Uh, This has been hard. I'm back to being hard. It's back to being hard again. For a moment, I had this hope and this, this peace. But I just now I'm struggling again. There, see, that also gives me a little bit of reassurance that um, whenever I went through a really difficult time a couple of years ago and I was, was finding some hope in this, uh, there's still been days that's been sorrowful. There's still days where it's hard. And this gives me almost the permission, right? Jeremiah was an incredible preacher <laughs> that no one listened to. Um, and as I, as I read through his words here, He's saying, man, I was in the deep sorrow. My whole, my whole body, my whole being was frustrated and hurting. And yet I can still set my hope in the Lord. It's like, because he's, he's holy. That's why this all happened, because he's holy and we're not. He's good. He's good. And that's why this happened to us. And then he's like, but Lord, I'm, I'm still hurting. Like I still have some pain. I still have some hurt. I still have some brokenness within me. And then uh, he, he finishes up that chapter with a little bit of sorrow. Then for, uh, chapter 4. This one's a little bit different. Uh, it's, uh, um, it's kind of a, the, the next step into, towards the end of Lamentations. Uh, so this, uh, this poem has a lot of, um, uh, I call it destitute. Destitute means um, without the basic necessities of life, right? That's what destitute means. It's like this is a destitute, this is destitution. This is... This is um, we're, we're without what we need. Uh, listen to chapter 4. Um, he, he starts it out how the gold has grown, has grown dim. He's like, listen, this is, this is, we're about to go real deep into some struggle. Listen to what he says about Jerusalem in these verses. Uh, I, the first verse, we see that there is homelessness. Um, and then the second verse, uh, we, I'm sorry, the second verse, uh, yeah, the first verse, they're, they're, the holy stones are scattered uh, at the head of every street. There's, no, there's nobody... Um, here anymore. There's, there's homelessness now. Uh, verse number two, he says that they're honorless. They have no more honor. Um, the third, verses three through six, he says that there's heartlessness. There's, they're just heartless. Um, listen, listen to what it says. They, um, uh, even, in verse number three, even jackals offer the, the breast their, to nurse their young, but the daughter of my people has become cruel like the ostriches in the wilderness. It says, the t- verse 4, the tongue of the nursing infants stick to the roof of their mouth for thirst. The children beg for food, but no one gives it to them. This is heartless. It's just brokenness. It says, for those who once feasted on delicacies perish in the streets. There's hunger now. And then there's, in verses 7 through 8, there's unholiness now. It says, her princes were whiter than snow, whiter than milk. Their bodies were more ruddy than coral. The beauty of their form was like sapphire. Now, verse 8, their face is blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the street. Their skin has shriveled on their bones. It has become as dry as wood. He says, listen, there's unholiness now. These people that once were pure, walking in great light, are now darkened and walking in great filth is what's happening. Verse 9 talks about more of the, uh, uh, of the hunger that happens. It says the lack of fruit in the field. 
Verse 10, listen how inhumane these people were. It says, The hand of compassionate women have boiled their own children. They, have became, they, have, uh, they became their food during the destruction of their daughter of my people. So this is just inhumane. They're just treating children poorly now. They're treating... He's walking through this city. Again, I can't... I can just picture Jeremiah walking through and seeing homelessness, seeing the malnutrition, seeing this evil, evil, evil. Why? Because God has left... His presence is no longer there. It's, it's gone. Now His people are lying in ruins. And here's what he says in verses 11 through 20. Uh, this is fully deserved. We deserved every bit of this. In the first part of that, um, verses 11 and 12, he says that um, the, the kings of the earth did not believe. He says, listen, the, the kings messed up. The, the ones in charge messed up. Then in verses 13 through 20, he says, her prophets and priests have messed up. This wasn't just, this started at the top. This wasn't just a few people in the, in, the, in the fold. This is our leadership messed up. Our Everybody we would turn to listen to gave us no wisdom and no guidance back into the Lord. And Jeremiah, I cannot imagine him walking through this city and thinking, we deserved all this. We deserved everything we got. There's none of this that was, that was out of line for God to do. As he finishes up chapter 4, there's a lot of those tones of, this wasn't, God didn't do anything unjustly to us. God did exactly what justice called for because he's never wrong. He's always right. Then we find in chapter number five, the final chapter of Lamentations, we see um, that uh, it is a woe to us. We have sinned. Uh, this is a prayer from Jeremiah to the Lord. And in this, uh, in this chapter, there's kind of a, the outline I kind of wrote out is that the first couple of verses through verse number eight is how the people of God were now enslaved. Uh, it talks about how they're bankrupt. It talks about how they're fatherless. It talks about how they're in bondage now. They're slaves now. They are ruled over now. So the first eight verses of this prayer, uh, he's stating exactly where, where the people are. We're, we're enslaved. We're in bondage. We, we, we can't get out, right? The part of slavery that's frustrating is that the slave has no rights, so the slave can't even speak up to get out of the slavery that he's in. That's what he's saying. He said, this has all happened to us. We cannot get out. We are slaves to this. And then, uh, verse number nine, listen to verse 9, we get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. He's saying, listen, there's enemies. When we go out to get food, when we go out to get anything, there's enemies that try to kill us when we go out to do that. That's, that's, so we're, we're risking our life to go out and get our food because people will, well, they'll just kill us. They'll just get rid of us. And then the next verse, verse 10, says that, that there's an enemy even dying within us. It says, our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. He said, listen, we're scared to go out because the enemy without, because the enemy outside of us. We're scared to not go out because we're dying of hunger. We, we're dying from the inside. We're dying on the outside. Everything is bad. And Jeremiah's prayer, this is one of the, the most heart felt wrenching gut-wrenching prayers again this is the one that doesn't follow the same acrostic because he's at this point he is just letting it all out he's giving it everything he's got this is an incredible intense prayer 
He says, we're dying on the inside, we're dying on the outside. Then verses 11 through 14, it says women are raped. It says there's uh, the elders, the leaders are mocked. They're hung out in public by their hands. They, they die out there. Men can't handle the workload that's being put on them. It's too great. The burden is too heavy. Uh, it even says in verse number um, 13, young men are compelled to grind at the mill. The boys stagger under loads of wood. This is Physically, they can't even handle the type of labor that they're under. We're hurting, God. We are, we are hurting at the hands of those who are oppressing us, those who are taking us down. Then verse 15, the joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has turned to mourning. All of our joy is gone. Everything that we once would dance about, we don't even want to dance. We, we can't bring ourselves to dance. All of our joy is gone. Then he, he goes on and he, he says in verses 16 through 18, the crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, we have sinned. But there it is. Jeremiah says, there, we have no joy. We, we just mourn all the time. And he says, but I want to be sure that I write down, it's not because you were unjust, it's because we sinned. That's what the, the very heart of the matter is, we messed up. That's what happened. We messed up. Then in verses 19 through 21, I want you to see how this book ends. I, I, I didn't really realize this until I was doing this study in the uh, Hebrew history and figuring out, you know, why, the reason I shared all that up front about the five books that are read at the different festivals and the different uh, feasts and the one fast and, is because of what happens at these last couple of verses. Listen to verses 19 through 21. It says, But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? And then verse 21 says, Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. That verse 21 is a verse of hope, right? It says, Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. He's saying, listen, I've got... You know, verses, uh, chapter 4, is t it talks a lot. You know, we talked about the different just problems that were in Jerusalem. And th that's all set in contrast to, remember, when Jerusalem was the holy city that God was blessing, right? It's the opposite of chapter 4. It's like, you know, they were inhumane. Well, they were very humane before. They were hungry. Well, they were full before. They were, they were, they were struggling with uh, homelessness. Well, they had plenty of homes before. Like it was all that. Then chapter 5 is this heartfelt prayer, and it ends in this verse 21 says, restore us back to your, your, the, the good old days, right? Restore us back to this. But then verse number 22, this is, this is, I, I think, man, this moment of hope. Restore us, Lord. Renew our days as of old. Then verse 22. Unless you utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. And that's the end of the book of Lamentations. The last verse says, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. Here's what I think is, is important. So it starts, it, you know, verse 21 is like, there's hope to be restored. And verse 22 says, there's no hope if he's utterly rejected us. Did you know, the reason I even brought up about the feasts and the festivals and all that was because the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, did something odd. They would, when they would read this, this particular book at the, uh, at the, the fast of the ninth of Av, they would read this book and they would read it to the very end, 
And they would, they would read it like this, verses 21 and 22. They would say, restore, to your, to, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we, have, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old, unless you've utterly rejected us and you will remain exceedingly angry with us. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old. They would, they would read verse 21 and 22 and then go back and read 21 and then they would end. Kind of soften the blow a little bit, right? It's like, I want to I walk away from here with a little bit of encouragement. And they would do that at, the, at a couple of different places to, to make it more palatable after a fast or after a time of, of difficulty. So anytime they would read the book of Lamentations, they wouldn't end with verse 22. Now they would read verse 22 because it's in the book, but then they would always read verse 21 at the end. They wanted to walk away on a good note. Do you know that at the heart, again, if, if you look at this, um, at the heart of, of these festivals and the words that were, that were presented, the word of God that was presented was this book of Lamentations in the middle. And what I have learned at the heart of this book is God having to redeem mankind through the sacrifice of Jesus. But ultimately, why did God put Jesus through what he had to go through. God gave his only begotten son. The only one he had. This is not an easy thing. This was not a precious, simple task. This was an act of love that was beyond anything we can understand. And I, I just think sometimes we, just like the Hebrew people that would read this and read 21 again <laughs> so that they could walk away a little bit easy, um, God didn't end that book on verse 21. He, he put an exclamation point there so that we understood the severity of our sinful nature, of our sin, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. You know, they would do the same thing whenever they would read the book of Malachi. They would read that last verse in the verse of Malachi and they would say, Okay, that's a curse, so we're going to go back a verse, and we're going to finish with that. Most of the time, we don't want to leave on a curse. We don't want to leave with that taste in our mouth of something that intense. But that's the way God ended that book. That's the way he ended it. He said, don't forget that I can reject you because of your sin. I can do that legally, justly, because of my holiness, I can reject you because of your sin. And I think, I think God wants that to weigh on our hearts. I just do. I think that, I, I, you know, whenever I'm parenting my daughters, I do my best to, to help them understand the severity of when they disobey. Like, I want them to know. When they do something wrong, I make it really hard on them. Like, really hard. Like, probably a little bit harder than it should be. But I also know, ultimately, that... If something, if something honors me and you do it, then my, my love is, is abounding and it's great. If you do something that rejects my relationship as, a, as my daughter, if you do something that rejects it, I want you to know how painful it is. I want you to know because I love you too much to let you continue rejecting me. So I want you to know the severity of it. I think it's just uh, interesting that, um, that the Hebrew people do that because it's... it's uh, we want to soften the blow. We just want to soften the blow. Every time, we just want to soften the blow. We want to make it a little bit easier to palate. And as he says over and over again, this one may be hard to stomach. 
It's a hard one to stomach. But know that at the, at the heart of God's dealing with man is the sorrow that's on his heart because of our sin, because of our rejection. Just like the sorrow uh, as we see Jeremiah, we know that Jesus is the, the next Jeremiah, the, the true man of sorrows. Um, and I just think it's, it's a beautiful piece to understand um, that whatever, whatever he rejects, uh, whatever he does, whatever doesn't honor him, he will reject. And we need to just know that and remember that. Um, and he is sorrowful for our, our sin. Um, I hope that you gain something out of the book of Lamentations today. Let's pray.